Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Raising Vibration Radio and Journey into Consciousness. I am your host, Reverend Raven, and I'd like to introduce our second host, Tammy Lacente. Good evening, everybody. And we have a special guest with us tonight. We have Tom Coates, that cosmic tourist, that traveler, the Chandler that can see things. We have him right here tonight. We're so proud and blessed that he's here with us. Say hi, Tom. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Your enthusiasm. Killing me. Oh, I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great Memorial Day weekend, and we're all here together um, and, and and sharing the joys and pleasures of life. And isn't life just awesome? Yeah. Yeah, it's a kick. kick. <laughs> it's a kick. Pretty stinking wet right just, now. Yeah, just very remember wet you. Today. Yeah, well, just remember you chose to come down here right now at this very time. You chose to be here in this lifetime. That's right. So that's, that's right. right. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on that? Just that one statement alone, Mr. Coates. Uh, thoughts on what? That you chose to be right here, right now, at this very moment in time. Well, I think we all did that, you know, and I mm -hmm. think the uh, the moment we're all in here is is uh, is, is pretty special because uh, we have uh, we're at a we're at a in the crosshairs of a of a one of those uh, Yogi Berra moments, you know, when you get to the fork in the road, take it. And, uh, uh, and where certain things we do, if we do them right, will work out well for us. And if we do them the wrong way, they will not work out well. In terms, if we value survival of our species and so forth, you know, exactly. And, uh, and so, um, well, that's where we are. And I think, Many of us have chosen to be here now to uh, help that process. Well, that's great. So you're in South Carolina tonight, right? No, I'm in North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina. Right. Tell I'm me. I'm in the, the outer banks of North Carolina. Ah, like Nags Head and stuff Nags like that? Head. Is that yeah, exactly, exactly like where I am. Nags Head. Oh, okay. <laughs> So um, I got married in Beaufort, North Carolina. It's an Outer Bank Island, too, as well, back in the 80s to right. a long time ago right. <laughs> in divorce court. So anyway, <laughs> my, my question is, what is it like there? I mean, um, with, is the mask law still in effect there? Like, you know, down here in Florida, no more masks are needed. Everything's open and free and clear to go. What about there? Down in Florida, I don't think masks were ever needed, were they? Oh, boy, we had them. Trust me, we had them. <laughs> well, maybe two or three weeks. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, masks are, uh, from what I saw this afternoon, uh, uh, not required anymore down here. And uh, and it seemed to me in on the way down here today that uh, in places I stopped, Maybe uh, 60, 70 percent of the people or even more were wearing masks yeah. and, and and others of us were not. So. Right. But what you were really talking about, I mean, when you said at this time, um, <laughs> some of us feel very compelled or are being very active and um, 
what were you pointing at, Tom, at this time? You were talking more about globally, correct? Yeah, I was talking more about globally. I think the, uh, uh, you know, our, well, we've got a, a variety of issues uh, that are related to the relatively limited uh, state of consciousness of humanity at this point in time. And, uh, uh, and so, those issues relate to well, the pandemic has been one recent issue, and you see that you see that being played out in different ways across the globe. Uh, uh, some countries have done well with the pandemic; others have not. China, for a large country, has done better than anyone than anyone else in terms of uh, of their ability to uh, act in unison to uh, to control the the spread of the pandemic and, and, and so forth. And uh, the issue has been politicized in unfortunate ways in the United States. And that has uh, cut against the, the, uh, the effectiveness of our responsiveness to it. And also our, our, uh, our uh, medical, our, our, Healthcare system has been challenged, um, not so much I think due to it, it's uh, the the amount of available healthcare we have, but because of the way it is structured, and, and the way it is structured is uh, has been challenged uh, uh, by the pandemic, and and weaknesses have have shown up, and this has been the same in uh, across Europe and so forth to a lesser extent than here. Um, but the pandemic is just one, one aspect of this. You know, we, mm -hmm. we have uh, islands of plastic bags in the Pacific ocean. We have, we have uh, uh, across the South Pacific, we have species of birds that are going extinct because they're eating plastic because they're attracted to the bright, shiny, aspects of it mm. and uh and they cannot and they and it, when they these birds die they and they're cut open they're found to have the whole stomachs are filled with plastic bits of plastic um mm. and uh and so we're we are there is a die-off of species going on, on on planet earth now that that only has been equaled uh around 250 million years ago when there was a dramatic shift in climate the the, uh, the permian i can't remember the name of the age that began then but something like 90 percent of all life on earth died and uh much more so than died at 65 million years ago when the dinosaurs died and we are we are in the midst of one of those epochs right now and all the evidence suggests that most of it is being created by our immature way of dealing with our environment and mm -hmm. fellow beings on the planet. So, as I have said a number of times, you know, this will test whether the human experiment on Earth will continue or not. And in the, in the scheme of things, species come and go and there's no reason why ours should uh, should uh, last forever but uh, it's only been around for a much shorter time than most every other species on earth and if we're if we succeed in destroying our habitat 
um, in the near future, we will we will certainly uh, we will be uh, uh, we can be congratulated for coming and going more quickly than most any other species that ever lives on the planet. Well, you know, you've you've been involved in um, the the spiritual community, if you will, for a great many years like actively on some level, I'd say 20, 30 years at least, right? Well, I would say most of my life. Yeah, but in larger groups or stuff, I was thinking, anyways, would you, do you, would you say from that experience that you've noticed people becoming more aware or not any more aware? Well, or- I, think there, I think there has been a, a great increase in awareness. And uh mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time lining up with the camera on this thing. Yeah, I know it's difficult. <laughs> the uh, uh, I think there's been a lot of increase, and I I would, in, Tammy, in terms of your question there about how long I've been involved, from my perspective, it's been a lifelong journey. Yeah. It's been in the last thirty-five years or so that I have started to go. Time. Go more time. public. Time. Time. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I hear him fine. What's wrong? Can you pause for a minute? Sure. All right. Try to talk again. There was a major drag in it. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, maybe the internet is uh, unstable here. Yeah, um, a little bit. So for the last 45 years, you said? No, I was saying for the last 35 or 40, 35 to 40 years, I've become more public with it. Yeah. Been more engage with others in endeavors intended to to uh specifically intended to raise consciousness and that and that's kind of what i I was pointing to because Mm -hmm. i was curious as to whether or not um in those years of being a little more public and um if you've noticed um a significant vamping up or not um, would people spiritual coming from a spiritual place, um, so to speak, and assisting in this process of the earth? Very much so. Very yeah. much so. And I, I think that's very important. And, and the uh, by, by guidance that I've gotten, the level, the number of people on earth today who are consciously involved in a process intended by them to uh, move the needle forward in terms of expanding human consciousness and so mm-hmm. forth is in the range of uh, 500 million, 500 million people, which would translate to uh, one, what, one fifteenth of the, of the population of the planet, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and so the more that that may it that may well be a, a critical mass that's needed if those 500 million people were were uh, organized in a way that was connecting their intentions with each other. Yeah. So it's it, it, there is uh, there is a significant there are significant numbers of people that are involved in the in the in the the movement, if you will. And, uh, um, and, uh, 
And it's not, you know, there we we've spent several weeks talking about the Michael teachings and the mm -hmm. levels of the the uh, soul ages and so forth. And and uh, I mean, for instance, what I was talking about a few minutes ago with the the uh, uh, the the environmental issues. These are specifically uh, uh, mature soul issues. These are issues that. Uh, that will be addressed and are being addressed from the perspective of mature soul consciousness within the framework of the Michael teachings. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, uh, and they are, they are, uh, and they're important because they're, they're, they are fairly critical to our survival. Um, there also are issues relating to, uh, um, to, uh, use of uh, weapons that could destroy us and so forth and those notwithstanding that we we spent 40 years 40 plus years in an arms race with the soviet union um uh the 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 issue of nuclear weapons is still very much with us and we have other weapons that have been created in the last 30 years that are perhaps just as devastating as nuclear weapons um, and uh, that are not even known to the general public. So, um, I, and I don't know, I, I, I'm not really in a position to, uh, to make a judgment as to the extent to which we're at risk on those things. Um, but, but we have not, uh, the risk is not behind us. It's still with us. It, Point I make. So, so yeah. for people who don't know, you want you know maybe it would be a nice time to get a little background on your background. What do you think? No. Okay with me. So where shall we start? Well, I was you know uh, I was born and uh, uh, like most of us. I was not immaculately conceived and <laughs> um i and, think uh, you were <laughs> not like in this lifetime anyway. parents by their first name yes Perhaps anybody that can call their parents by the first name is not of this planet i'm sorry you were hatched <laughs> Anyways. um <laughs> that's uh i appreciate your uh your humor there uh so Welcome to baby. Tammy's hell. Uh, <laughs> no, the uh, yeah, I, that's that is. Uh, I used to get a lot of criticism. Although as a child, you know, I I was uh, not only calling my own parents by their first names, I was calling all the parents of everybody I knew by their first name. And uh, when all my friends were saying Mister This and Miss That or Doctor This and and so forth and. And I was saying uh, Bob and Bill and, and John <laughs> and and and, uh, and 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 looking back on it, it seems a little bit strange now. But at the time, no one even blinked. It was just the way things were, you know. And, uh, uh, and <laughs> um, so I didn't uh, I, I didn't. Uh, it wasn't odd for me at the time. And uh, and. Uh, and um, it worked for me, even though uh, it never. I, I was uh, wondering when my own children were born, uh, whether that would uh, be repeated by them. 
and uh, it didn't happen. <laughs> I, and I, did, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't uh, disappointed. I wasn't, I wouldn't have been disappointed either way. I just, I was just interested to see whether something like that would happen. Mm-hmm. But it seemed that in uh, in all cases, the first, the natural first words were the what, what they were for most kids. They just, they just didn't happen that be that way for me. And uh, <laughs> yeah, not mom, not dad, but Bob and Jill or whatever. Yeah. I'm sorry, Billy, you know? Billy and Billy and Nanny in my case. Billy and Nanny. <laughs> And and not only that, but your your friends' parents that just blows my mind, and they accepted that from you. I mean, it's yeah. It was never there was never any issue of disrespect or anything like that. No, none yeah. at all. That means you must have been vibrating at a higher vibration than they were, and like even though you were a child, they must have felt like you were more on adult level to to commingle with them on a first name basis like that. You know, I never thought of it that way, but I, I'm I'm not going to say that's wrong. I I just don't know. I I, I was a very uh, as a, I felt as a child growing up, very challenged by by uh, various issues like severe shyness and uh, and uh, uh, being a stutterer and so forth, and and so uh, uh, it didn't. It just didn't. The idea that I was just vibrating at a higher level was the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I was, you know, I was having experiences as at a young age of like precognitive experiences and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and so, and, and I've had those in one way or another throughout my life. And, uh, uh, and so. Give us an example of a, just one childhood one. Um, the first one that I remember of any significance was one that was when I was I was three years old, and uh, and we were living uh, in a in a row house in the downtown, what is now the downtown area of Richmond, uh, in a in a in a building that has been for many years uh, a part of VCU. And uh, but in those days it was a private residence, and and uh, it was 1947, and uh, uh, and my uh, my uh, father was lying out on a sofa in the living room reading a reading a book, probably a Mickey Spillane or or Earl Stanley Gardner, because. He was a doctor, and that's all he read, other than medical medical books. Um, were those two authors? You know, they were his favorites, and and he didn't want to challenge himself too much with heavy with real good literature. And so, uh, uh, and so anyway, he and my mother had gone to a movie, and uh, and I was running in my little John Deere rubber tractor up and down my father's torso from the upper chest where his book was laid. Uh, down to his feet and back, and uh, and uh, and as I was doing that, I started seeing visuals uh, and uh, like almost like a movie, but they were sort of sort of shorts, and then moved to like a like a uh, if you see a preview on TV of a film that's coming out, you'll see a couple a clip of this and a clip of that, you know, and uh, 
And and I started I started that started getting my attention. I was running the tractor from from the chest area here down to one foot and then back and then down to the other foot. And uh, and there was some the truth be known, there was some tension between my parents and uh, uh, I didn't know details of it, but I was aware of it at the at the energetic level. And so this tractor business was a way of trying to help smooth that out for my dad, Billy. And uh, um, and so uh, as I was doing it, as I said, I started seeing these visuals and then and then I, I, they took my attention. I'd pull the tractor away and they would disappear. And I put the tractor back and then they would come back. And so I realized there was a connection between mm -hmm. the contact with him and what I was seeing. And, uh, and so what I was seeing was a see, were scenes from what, what I was, I was communicating in my mind back and forth with whoever was downloading this. Um, and, uh, and because I was even at that time uh, accustomed to getting internal guidance on things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I was, I was asking what was this? And, and it was, I was, what I was seeing was the marriage between my parents disintegrating. And I didn't know what, I didn't have a word for that. I just saw the family coming apart. And I, and I asked, when is this? And the answer was 10 years, 10 years from now. And, uh, uh, and so, uh, uh, it was, it was, uh, uh, it, very interesting. And I was watching it as an, as if I were an interested observer and nothing else. And, uh, uh, and, and I, uh, I observed too, that, that, uh, everyone in, everyone in the household other than an I was, was being very, really terribly buffeted emotionally by this, by this experience. Um, and, uh, and I asked about that. Why, why is it that I'm not being affected or apparently not being affected in the same way that others in the family are particularly, well, parents were, my younger brother was all, all were very affected by it emotionally. And, uh, and the answer I got was, you know, in ways that they are not aware of that your that who you are is not dependent upon the, the family unit staying together. Mm -hmm. And in and, and language, it was appropriate to a three year old. Okay. And, uh, and so, uh, anyway, I said, well, I asked then, should I, should I uh, tell Billy and Nanny about this? My parents. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the answer was very a very clear no. And then I asked why not, and uh, and the answer was again in three year old uh, terminology, they're not old enough to know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> which I understood to mean that that. Uh, they they just didn't have a way to process it and so uh um anyway I, so by the time i was three i was already keeping secrets from my parents and uh um and and that and that uh, 
disintegration did occur on schedule. Mm, uh, where I was going to go. Ten years later. So, so, you know, that was that's an example. Uh, and there were many others as time went by. Mm. Uh, so, way, do you feel like you raised your parents? Well, I... I um, I wouldn't deny that. Okay. I mean, every parent learns from every child, you know. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but sometimes there is more of a reciprocity between mm -hmm. between parent and child than than other times, and probably there was a greater level than than average in my case. Gotcha. Um. So the, you've been uh, having experiences like this very, very young. And sorry? You've been having experiences like that all your life, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll give you another example. When I was yeah. 10 years old, um, I had a, uh, uh, I had a, a real, uh, my mother had lots of mental problems and, uh, uh, and she was a, you know, she was a wonderful person, but she, she had, she had unfortunately had a, an event that occurred when she was a child that she never recovered from. And it, and it, and it marked her for life in, in very, very uh, challenging ways. Mm. And she had a, a severe borderline personality disorder problem. And uh, uh, he had been diagnosed during her adult life as paranoid schizophrenic. Um, I have felt for the last 40 some years, that was an incorrect diagnosis, but the, the borderline uh, disorder was not understood at that time during the time when she was in the treatment pool. Um, I don't know that it would have made any difference if it had been, but, uh, in any event, she was treated as if she was someone with, with schizophrenia. So I, looking back, I don't think she had, but borderline syndrome was no less challenging and uh, mm -hmm. uh, and perhaps more so and in terms of behavioral issues. And, uh, and so um, I, rem I remember it was, uh, it was when I was 10 or maybe it was either my 10th or 11th birthday. I think it was my 11th. And there was a big, big brouhaha uh, uh, that occurred uh, on my birthday, and uh, uh, and and I got angry and uh, and 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 left the house for two or three hours, walking around, just walking, um, and uh, and it was my birthday's in June, so it was it was light outside. It was, it was early evening, and. Uh, uh, and so at some point in that, in that, in the course of that, uh, of that walk for several miles that I did, uh, I, uh, I asked, you know, why is it that, why isn't it that, you know, in my family, we can't just have a bunch of alcoholics, like in all my friends' families, where things can be simple and straightforward, you know? Oh yeah, that'd be easy. <laughs> like you would think that's simple and straightforward. Right, well, I, mean, wow. I had a, I had a lot of friends whose 
mothers or fathers or both were in that category and you know they would drink to excess and pass out on the kitchen floor and we'd just carry them up to their rooms and be done with it you know <laughs> and uh and in my household things were a little bit more uh, complex than that and uh <laughs> and so uh and so anyway i asked that question i got an immediate immediate uh answer downloaded to me and the answer was this is uh this is what you have because this is what you chose you chose your parents you chose this level of complexity you chose this level of dysfunction within the framework of your family environment in order to uh, have this experience to learn from and to be able to be helpful to others who have similar issues or different issues whatever and uh and and that that moment was a, a real um it was a uh it was a real wake-up call for me uh because it uh it, it transformed me in that instant from being and how, how was it when that happened i was i was i think it was the day of my 11th birthday it was either my 10th birthday or my 11th birthday, but one or the other. And uh, and it was uh, um, because from that moment forward, I realized that, that I was not any victim of any of any of this. And uh, uh, that, that this was something that that uh, that not only I had chosen, but that, that that allowed me to realize that that uh, I could I could manage it, you know, and I could understand it and navigate my way through it without without being harmed by it. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, uh, so that that was, a, that was a big aha, big eureka moment for me. Um, and and the you know I I was I've, I've read of, of of lots of psychological studies that indicate that of the people who are in highly dysfunctional family environments, which most of us are to some degree or other. Amen. Um, notwithstanding the, the, the face we put onto the world, um, about 70% of them are very, very adversely affected. But the more interesting side of that is that 30% are not. 30% of the people that are in those environments come out of it on the other side in a very highly functional and very highly productive and, 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 uh, uh, and, and holistically complete people. And so, uh, and so that, the, the fact that that occurs to me continues to reverberate in terms of that message I got that night, you know, the, but of a choice that, 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 uh, some of us make these soul level choices to have these these challenging experiences because at the soul level every experience is just that it's just an experience mm -hmm. and uh we have uh we have all sorts of things that occur to us at the physical level that we carry we can carry the wounds of for long periods of time and they can come up sometimes when we least expect it but but at the soul level, it's all just one experience after another. And every experience we have has value, no matter how unpleasant or traumatizing it may be.
Do you ever want to kick yourself in the pants for the life you chose? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you're better than me. No, no. You know, I, I, uh, I, <laughs> no, I don't, I never thought of, I never, it never occurred to me that I was dumb for having made such bad choices. No. Because what, what somehow, some way, the, the, the method that that message was communicated to me sort of aligned me, even though I ne didn't necessarily know it at the time, but it, it, looking back on it retrospectively, it felt as if it aligned me with the consciousness of my soul, if that makes sense. Right, it does. And so, uh, so I never thought about it. Oh, gee, why did I make such a dumb choice? Mm -hmm. well, you know, I just didn't didn't think about that. That's that's great. I, I mean, sometimes I understand exactly what you're saying, and it does align. And, and and again, we're here to like witness things playing out. And and earlier you mentioned, you know, we do make choices. And, and it can either, depending on the choice that you make, it can go in your favor or it could take you down a whole different path. And then I guess a perspective plays a very important part of that. Is that correct? Absolutely. It plays, it plays probably the most important part. Right. Our perspective. Mm -hmm. Because our perspective not only makes it everything either horrible or, or bearable, but it also uh, is the is the uh, primary uh, uh, method by which our behavior is uh, is uh, modulated. So, if our perspective is one that we're being victimized, then we're going to mm -hmm. behave accordingly. If our perspective is one that we're not being victimized. Then we're going to behave a very different way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep, I I totally agree with that. I mean, that's like in, in, you know in alignment with uh, what I truly believe. Uh, again, uh, here's another thing: beliefs, right? Beliefs. Do we need them? Are they necessary? I mean, what's your thought on beliefs? Hey, I, I, you know, I think we started with that um, back whenever I, my first visit with you guys was and uh -huh. and uh, uh i have uh since i was about the age of 10 or 11 have been trying to let go of every belief i had uh for the very reason that that uh i mean that i realized that almost every belief i had was was either distorted or just plain wrong and uh uh and what I have come to uh, a sort of a sense of peace and equanimity with is the concept that beliefs are consciousness structures that we cannot get rid of, but we can realize um, that they are Marks, yeah. transient and let them go as they need to be mm -hmm. let go. Yeah. Um, and uh, they are ways in which we weigh and measure um, uh, ideas that come through and so forth. But a belief is typically an idea that about something that we do not have knowledge. And it is uh, 
and it is uh, something that we typically will invest some degree of emotional charge in a commitment to uh, in, in an idea that that uh, could be completely upside down and backwards. And most of the time they are. Um, and this this is a uh, you know all of our this is why people have you know so many millions of people have been killed by other people in religious wars and so forth mm -hmm. and uh and 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 we see the uh we see right now in our political system that this this the same thing is, is is in play um and uh and so um we can uh if we realize that beliefs which are, are natural ways of processing and and evalu evaluating information. Um, Kwan, we have a question. Sure. Sarah wants to know, how do you know our soul chooses our parents? There, it, our souls choose our parents. Well, first of all, I don't know it. Um, it, it is... It is uh, information that I have been guided to to uh, to uh, in the way that I just indicated a few minutes ago mm -hmm. in respect to myself. What I am, what I have uh, uh, been, the guidance I've been given on that question is that is that uh, souls choose their parents once they get to relative certain a relative soul age. And it's somewhere in the early to middle stage young is when they start choosing their parents. Mm -hmm. um, prior to that, uh, either it's, either it's a roll of the dice or it's a, some committee, you know, in the, in the, in the uh, etheric realms, making the choice for the souls. And, uh, uh, but once they get to a certain level and it's not against their will, it's just, it, it's like when you're, when you're a kindergarten student or a first grade student, you have less you have less agency to choose what your course of study will be than you do when you're a junior or senior in high school. Same same principle. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so oh, uh, I love the, I love the way I love that analogy. Oh, or or yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's a it, that is an excellent way of looking of. Internal right. You just have less experience based, you know, for for your for the choice. So so you it's not you're doing you're being doing, putting the things against your will. You're exactly uh, you're ceding your your choice to others who are more knowledgeable than you. And then as you as you gather experience, you start making the choice yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and the further along that you get, the more you are involved and completely in charge of the choice. So to to Sarah, who asked the question, um, in previous weeks, we've discussed um, the Michael teachings mm -hmm. and that discusses that that's ways for you to um, find out your soul age. So that's what Tom's referring to right, right now is a lot of young souls or baby souls don't have um, the experience 
if you will, to be choosing so much. Mm -hmm. But as you get older, you get much more selective in choosing your experiences and who your parents are. Uh, it deeply resonates with me. You know, I've had the the Michael um, reading and stuff and the answers that came back all deeply resonated with me. Like you, I don't know anything, but there are also a lot of um, there's other authors who speak to the same thing mm-hmm. besides Michael. It's not just Michael that talks about we choose our parents. Right. No, this is a this is a widespread uh Mm-hmm. widespread teaching uh, it's not limited to Michael I and it was an incredibly freeing one for me to experience years and years ago because I simultaneously came into that knowing and understanding understanding I chose my parents and my children chose me as well and I came into that understanding simultaneously and it really was a game changer for me and well, you know, I showed up to life I find it just as interesting from the standpoint of children as I do from the standpoint of parents, because, uh, uh, and, and, uh, I know you've had that. I don't say that. I don't know about you, but I know, but uh, Tammy's had some very, very positive experiences with her children and, and, uh, and grandchildren and so forth. And, and, uh, um, and one, one can only, uh, feel, uh, uh, and I have had very much the same type of thing. Um, and, uh, and, and it's a very gratifying experience to feel that, to feel that, that, uh, you are blessed to have cho- children choose you as a parent or grandparent in a way that, uh, uh, that makes that, that pleases you, you know, in, a, in other words, it's, uh, of course, this is, I mean, plenty of, you, you, you love the kids, whether they're, whether they are successful or not, uh, yep. whether they have this issue or that issue or don't. Um, but, yes. uh, but the fact that you, the, 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 it's just a, it's, it's what I have found is it, that, uh, uh, is that the, when you apply the choice downstream instead of upstream, mm-hmm. it's just as significant in a personal way. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it's saying like it's just as significant to hold the space for your children also chose you just as you chose. Correct. Parents. Yeah, so that they chose you. Very, very powerful. And I know yeah. for me, if we were to drop all the spiritual conversation and if I just, if it was just common knowledge on this planet today. Right that we're all evolving. Everybody's at different levels and this is just how it is. You have chosen your parents and your children have chose you. The honor that we would show up for those relationships would be so much different. I've experienced it in my own life after coming into that understanding and looking at things that way. That's exactly right. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that Tammy, because that is one of the freeing aspects oh, it's, it's of being so- aware of the fact mm-hmm. that you're engaged in this. And, mm-hmm. and so as a, for instance, you know, I mentioned that I had this experience at 10 or 11 that was so liberating for me. One of the liberating aspects of it was that, 
that I didn't have to be angry at my mother as yeah. you know, I could, she could still make me angry, but, yeah. but, but I didn't have to be, I didn't have to blame her for being a victim of her, mm-hmm. you know, which was, which would be the primary reason, you know, I could see that she, she had behaviors that made me angry, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I could also have great respect for her as a human being, notwithstanding her faults and all that in ways that were almost impossible to, to have perception of when I was perceiving myself as a victim. Exactly. So, uh, uh, it, it, it's a very, uh, uh, liberating concept. Some psychiatrists say it's, a uh, it borders on, uh, you know, some sort of delusion, but, uh, you know, they they can they can figure that out. I'm not gonna worry with that. <laughs> well, they can figure that out all they want, but like I said, where I would I think it's amazing though, because as I said, if you took the if if you were to take the language of spirituality and and all of the caveats and nuances that that has, and you just if there if there was just a knowledge on the planet whether it's true or not, but let's just say it was true and it was public knowledge. Right. It wouldn't even be the same planet. We wouldn't like, because the, for me, the ability to keep my heart chakra, just my heart just so open and really um, in that knowledge that I, that I, feels very authentic to me and the experiences that I've had in the 20 plus years since coming into that um, uh-huh. resonates deeply with me to be right. as close to a truth that I think I could possibly conceive being here on planet earth and, and trying to understand how, when we got here and why, but right. um, that all being said, there's something amazing about, not being the victim and and so many self-help people will tell you that on so many categories but if you didn't apply it to any other category other than you chose your parents and they did not do anything to you and yeah. you know what i mean just that alone i can't even fathom what the planet would be like today well you know let me, let me just let me say one one thing in favor of victimhood here for just a minute. Um, oh, please be in favor. <laughs> the victimhood is a step beyond, um, uh, and, and all so almost every perception we can have, almost every conscious awareness we can have, is a level of uh, of growth, is a level of evolution of the de- of development, and it has and it, and it has value. And being a victim is a step beyond being downtrodden and being abused and not realizing that you even matter at all. Exactly. And, and a yeah. lot of people are in that category, you know, and uh, step up. And so being a victim is a, is a, is a way of, of shouting out, Hey, I'm being abused and I matter, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to disenfranchise the, the importance of that at all. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't mean to. to, to no, I know. I know. I, but, at all, because I grew up in a really abusive right. household, so I didn't mean it that way. But 
I know I carry. But it is liberating to get beyond that. That's my point. It, it really is. And I, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, I carried that childhood with me. And on some levels, I'm sure I still do. I've mm -hmm. released so much of it, but um, I carried it with me in a very heavy way, you right. know, um, up until that realization. And, right. and it just, it was a game changer in my life. I mean, big game changer for right. me. So we can move on. I just thought I'd hang around there a little while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, these, uh, these are developmental events and, and, uh, I was, uh, I have been guided to by, Tom, when you when you say guided, can we um, go in that? What does guided mean to you? And where are you getting this guidance? Do you believe? Did you say legally? No, I said <laughs> when you not legally. <laughs> I said when you refer to get what you were guided or you got mm -hmm. guidance. What can you explain what that means to you? And what well. It's a good question. Uh, I wish I had a, as precise an answer as the question is, is posed. But, uh, <laughs> all I know is when I was very young, I was getting guidance of the nature that I've described, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and, and, uh, um, and so I, uh, uh, but I had a sense of, of having from an early age and, and, it was already at some to some degree developed at age three. I, I had a sense of being uh, accompanied, not being alone. You know, mm -hmm. the, and and something that and and when I was young and was interested in in church, I was I was interested in church because I thought that's where you could go and connect directly with spirit. You know. Um, I didn't realize at the time that it was the church was a place where you were designed not to connect with spirits. <laughs> it, it was to be, you know, taught to you, but you weren't to connect with it directly. But in any event, um, <laughs> I had a, I had, I was, I was blessed to have from an early age uh, a sense of connection with, with non-physical presences that I, that I uh, uh, deemed alive and uh uh and i uh, uh and so these these were whether they were voices in my head or just ideas that came through that seemed like they came from from some source outside myself um i interpreted it as guidance and uh um i i, I give you another example when i was uh third grade um my uh my third grade teacher came in one day in 1950, say it was the spring of 53. And, uh, kill me. excuse me. I said, you kill me how you can just, oh, okay. Like, you know, I was eight years, I was eight years old. And, and, uh, she came in and I was in an all boys school and she said, and the boys, uh, um, uh, we starting this morning when we say our pledge of allegiance, we're going to, we're going to add the words, under God between one nation and indivisible. And, uh, and I was, I went out, I, I have, I think I had not been more angry in my life to that moment before that moment occurred. 
And uh, it's interesting what can what can inspire uh, anger in an eight year old, you know. And 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 uh, uh, but I was just outraged at the whole idea, and uh, uh, and vowed immediately that I would never ever in, uh, include those words in my in my recitation of the of the Pledge of Allegiance, and. Uh, and so, uh, and being a third grader, I thought, well, maybe, uh, and being, uh, and and we, it was explained that Congress was getting was was had had come down with this and so forth, and and uh, that's why we were making the change, and uh, and of course this was during the the McCarthy era when uh, Senator Senator uh, Joe McCarthy was finding communists everywhere. Who were known to be godless people and all that so mm -hmm. we had to we had to bring in god and all that and uh and so uh um uh, i thought perhaps that if i i could get a movement up among my fellow students to resist and that would that would relieve us from having to go through the indignity of adding this to our you know daily recitation of the pledge of allegiance to the flag and so during the course of that day I, I polled every single other kid in the class and and it was it was uh that was as much of a of a learning experience as uh as the reaction that I had because what I discovered was I was the only one who noticed and it, even when you brought it to the attention of others it what a, what a terrible abuse of power this was they didn't care and uh, uh, and so uh, uh, yeah, that, that, that was, it was really fascinating to me. And, and, uh, and so I went to the teacher at the end of the day, her name was Mrs. Bennett. And I uh, said, Ms. Bennett, uh, after this is after everybody else had left the classroom and three fifteen in the afternoon. And I said, I, I was, and, she, and I was really angry. I said, Ms. Bennett, why did Congress do that? And uh, she said, do what? I said, why do they add those words uh, under God? And, and, and she could see I was angry. And so she gave me some latitude. And, uh, uh, and so uh, uh, she, didn't, she didn't want to answer. She says, I don't know, Tom. And I said, well, I know why they did it. They're trying to make it look like the United States is better than other countries because of some relationship with God. And that's not how it works. It's, that's completely wrong. And, uh, uh, and so uh, she said, well, I, I can see how, you know, that, that makes sense. And I said, well, I said, well, they should not be, they should not be allowed to do that. And, uh, but I, I can't stop them. I know, but I will, I want to let you know that I will never, ever, ever say those words ever in my life. And, and and she she's you know i have to say what her response was for that time because that was a time of great repression based on the on the mccarthy stuff going on and uh this is when the house on american activities committee was ruining people's lives because of the they they had been to some meeting of, of promoting communism 20 years earlier and that sort of thing yeah and uh, and so she said, instead of saying, well, you have to, she said, well, given the way you feel about it, I think that's the right decision for you to make. 
which was very brave of her to say, mm -hmm. if it had been reported that, that she had said, said that, that, she might have lost yeah. her job. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So, so anyway. We wow, have the these. McCarthy era sounds like a modern day witch hunt back in the 50s. It was. It was very much so. Ugh. But a little bit different from the witch hunts we've been hearing about lately. <laughs> a little bit different from the Trump witch hunt. Oh, I was going, what? I missed something. Oh, yeah. We're having a modern day witch hunt right now. We are? Yes, what, we what, always have them. Are we missing somebody? What? What's going on? No, I mean, if you think about it, there is always a witch hunt going on through. Oh, it yeah, just keeps repeating itself over and over and over again. You know, for somebody's beliefs, and this one group doesn't believe that that's right. There again, we got the beliefs going on, and we get these modern day witch hunts going one after another. <laughs> well. Okay, so we can't change everything. So anyways, Tom, all right. So I, I'm sorry. I, I was, I, we went from witch hunts to. Yeah, I'm going to try to stay away from politics here because. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know Sandy's down there in, in uh, Florida where things are different. I don't want to create any rift between her and me. You know, <laughs> you know I don't play in the po politics field. That's okay. not okay. even. That's not anything I even play in. So, right. I in fact, it was funny. Um, when I was really young and I was going to college, uh, I was going to do a, I was going to be a poli sci major, and I wanted to be a politician. And I hooked up with uh, Connie Sue Gibson, who was running for a local some office in Tennessee. And when I see how she talked to people and did other actions, that's when I decided I couldn't be a politician. Mm -hmm. I witnessed it firsthand and I realized that the truth good. I, there's no truth in politics, right? Like there was just for me personally, what I was witnessing was there was no truth. They will tell you one thing and do something else behind right. your back. So I was right. like, Oh, nope, I'm out of here. So politics is not a thing for me. Not since the eighties went out done with it. Yeah. So anyway, you can talk about it all you want. <laughs> no, I'm I'm gonna stay away from it. <laughs> so, that, so I'm glad you clarified what guidance was. And I wanted you to clarify that because I again I think people get guidance and they well, don't do realize do they're getting it. That's why I like to have what that's why I like understanding what that means to somebody. So you know, thank you for sharing what that meant. Well, from in my own case, I think people get it all the time. And I think mm -hmm. our society is one which is very materialistic and very prone to uh, negate the validity of anything that's, that's not physical or in nature or physically based. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so the kinds of things that, that were of, for me, from my from my personal experience and perspective, the most important elements of my of my developmental period, uh, and, and continue to be important today, are things that that I think occur all the time with people, and they simply tend to discount them or just or or, or 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 
or negate them because they because our culture is is uh, uh, favors doing that, which I think is a big mistake. Yeah, as do I. I mean, I I as I had a very uh, when I was just after my 16th birthday, I had a very profound near-death like out-of-body experience and that was this life is one of my favorites <laughs> yeah in, in its own right but it was uh and it was uh uh it was life-altering because it was so uh uh so significant in a way and uh, tell us about tell us about that one a little bit do you mind no i don't mind telling you about it it was uh but it it, it is something that i may not have time to get into in the in great detail this evening but uh, we can do it later if you want, but but uh, typically, of a, as a being a, a let me let me how shall I phrase this? Um, it's a good example of the fact that no experience is too trivial to trigger uh, a spiritual awakening, mm -hmm. and in this case. The spiritual awakening that occurred with me was triggered by the fact that I had developed a crush on my best friend's girlfriend, and and uh, and and was and was managing it perfectly well until she, behind his back, started coming on to me, and that then created a sort of a double bond crisis for me, and uh, and, and and I did and and and, uh, and so. As I was, as I've I've written the story up, and in, the, in in my writing, I said I was having an existential experience of the sixteen-year-old kind, you know, and and where this uh, this seemed like a life or death crisis at the time, and uh, um, because my code of honor prevented me from respond from re reciprocating, uh, but my uh, but in any event, it was so. So uh, uh, I was caught in in this in this trap of uh, of uh, desire and morals and all this sort of thing, and uh, didn't know didn't it was not well equipped to handle it, and uh, and so one night in June of 1960, uh, my friend and I were were used to the, the friend who who had the girlfriend uh, were used to padding around together you know we, we used to laugh and joke that uh together we made one credible character because he was he was uh, a real jock type and and fullback on the football team and so forth and so he could go knock on girls doors and then once he got in i could carry a conversation and, <laughs> and i didn't have the nerve to knock on the door without him you know and uh so anyway uh, uh we went out we went out together one night and, and when his girlfriend was out of town and, uh, and, uh, we, uh, we came back and, and he was spending the night at my house. And so, and so, uh, uh, this was right in the thick of this, of this, uh, moral crisis. And, uh, and, and we got back to my house probably around midnight and, and, uh, I was, he was staying and you know, I had, there were twin beds in my house, one across the room from each other, and uh, uh, and in my bedroom, and, and and so 
I was tossing and turning and unable to sleep and and kept on uh, looking at the clock, which was on a table between the two, and, and it was getting on to one, two, three. Finally, it was around 3.30, and, uh, and I was just, I was getting more and more uh, 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 just in a state of despair, and uh, I, was see- I was seeing my life as this, uh, uh, I was just, just blogging through this, just piles of uh, of of uh, shit. That's what it was in my mind, and and so uh, uh, and uh, in the typical fashion, deep shit with low shoes, you know. So <laughs> and so and so anyway, um, it was uh, it was not it was it was not pleasurable to look forward to, and and uh, uh, and and uh, uh, and and I was. At some point in that process, I became aware that I was, that I was, wish I didn't exist. And I was not suicidal per se, but I just wish I'd never been born. And, uh, and so uh, somewhere along the way in that, it was right around 3.30 in the morning. And all of a sudden there was a tornado-like energetic vortex that was down in my uh just at the upper upper edge of my solar plexus, and all of a sudden, my consciousness was pulled from my body, and I was uh, first hovering over my over my my body, and then I was pulled through the ceiling, and then I was pulled through the roof of the house, and then I was pulled up in the sky over the city, and uh, uh, and. And I was then I was I was looking down at the loom of light of the city, and then I was seeing the East Coast, and I was going up, 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 and uh, and I was up into uh, at some point several hundred miles in space, two or three hundred miles. I don't know how far it was because I had no way to no way to measure it, and uh, and it was a really beautiful beautiful sight. I could look out over the Atlantic and see mm. the line of daylight halfway across the ocean and uh, or however far it was out and, and uh, you could see the loom of the cities along the east coast. I could look out and see in the, in the, in the face and see all sorts of things that were incredibly beautiful. This was again, put this in perspective. It was June of 1960 there had not been any U.S. space shots at that point in time. The only thing there had been was Sputnik from the Soviet Union. And we had no real shots from space. So I had nothing, no basis for comparison of what I was seeing versus what we might get from a, a satellite or something like that. And, uh, uh, but it was, it was very, very, beautiful and i i I inquired to myself is this something you know wow i'm I'm a few hundred miles above the earth i see this see the planet down there Uh, i see the it's round and all that and uh uh, and should i be afraid you know and the answer immediately came back no because you don't have a body therefore there's nothing to protect there's just this consciousness and this pair of eyes non-physical eyes that allows you to see all this 
And uh, so you no need to be afraid. And uh, and so I said, great. And so I was looking all around and really, really having a, really enjoying the view. And and, uh, uh, and the next thing I knew, there was a sort of a pop, like a like the pop of a of a of a bubble over the top of a long neck beer bottle. Yeah. Like a and and uh yeah. and and when that happened space disappeared. All earth disappeared. All frames of reference disappeared. I was in was seen initially like total utter blackness, darkness or whatever it was. And uh and so but it did not seem the least bit threatening, it just seemed different. And uh and so I thought, well, this is different and and uh and I asked uh, again, is this something to be afraid of? No, no, nothing at all. And uh uh and so I started trying to maybe get my bearings as if I had anything to get bearings on and, and uh and after I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe in my non physical eyes there are rods and cones and now that the now that I'm in darkness they'll adjust and I'll be able to see a little something even though uh, there's nothing to see. And uh because I'm clearly a non in some different realm. And uh and so uh and so after a, a, a while, there was a that with that, that intention, things started to clear up, and and I was able to see that I seemed to be represented by some dots of light that were sort of blinking on and off, and uh, and I thought, well, if this is me, I wonder if there's anything else around here like that, and uh, and off in the distance, it seemed like in every direction I could see a little bit a little dot here and a little dot there and so forth. And, uh, and so I, I spoke, um, is anybody there? And as soon as I did that, there was this convergence of, of light that came from all directions around me mm. and, uh, and, wow. and converged around me. And there were, uh, I don't know how many, it seemed like about 40, also mm. presences immediately around and uh, uh, and uh, and so I don't I, I, I said something like uh, where am I and and the and there was an answer they were all speaking together in this in this chorus of voices speaking in unison and they and the answer was, you are in a place that is no place. Um, in other words, not physically, you know, not. A, and I asked what that meant, and got <laughs> an explanation. And I said, "Well, who are you?" And and uh, and they said, "Well, we are your spirit guides." And then they, and I said, "What the heck is that? I never heard of spirit guides." <laughs> and so they started giving me a, an explanation of that, and. Uh, uh, and and how that uh, uh, you know, I mean I, I, it was a, a very beautiful explanation. I don't have I don't have the uh, have it the writing in front of me, but um, but it was it was quite elegant and uh, uh, and how 
souls oftentimes will will dedicate themselves to helping those in, in the physical uh, get through their lives and that's what they were doing i was there i was their job basically which was hard for me to uh grasp on the one hand but on the other hand it was completely consistent with the fact that i had felt i'd been getting guidance all my life mm -hmm. and uh and so uh they then went you have an army of it tom huh i said you have a small army of it 40 uh, 40 of oh it, yeah, i think this, I, I think that's not the i think that's not the usual number but they were kind of converging to uh give me a give me a hit, hit over the head with a cosmic two by four you know and so <laughs> um yeah i think that was that, that was uh this was a special occasion, if you will. But I think we all have access to large numbers mm -hmm. as and when we need them. Mm -hmm. Even though our normal number may be three or four or five or six or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, um, anyway, uh, that that event uh, uh, was quite moving for me and, and uh, uh, and they gave me a they gave me a, a little hit, a little lesson in in uh, in how the in how the system works and how and how we have multiple lifetimes and and, uh, and how the soul is involved in in all of our stuff and it was it was a, a quite a it took me a long time to process it but uh, it was something that was that uh, made a profound impression and uh, um, and so. Um, and they even they even said, uh, and, and they they expressed great concern that I was being self-destructive, and I was very much in denial about that. Oh no, no, you got me wrong. I was uh, I was just thinking I didn't want to be alive. Wasn't they? I was thinking of killing myself, anything like that. And they and they gave me a lesson in uh, the fact that you know that would that uh, that you could do that. It was okay. There was no uh, judgment or retribution involved but uh but it didn't really solve a lot because you would have to come back and do the same lesson plan all over again mm -hmm. as many times as it might take to get past that you know and uh and so they said from that standpoint it would be a bit of a waste of time mm -hmm. which as a 16 year old I certainly didn't want to waste any time and uh so uh anyway it was it was quite a a, a pretty amazing thing for me and and uh um, and they said, and, and, and they said, by the way, in terms of your current crisis, if you can, this was a Saturday and they said, if you can make it till Monday, the crisis will be gone. And I said, well, oh, great. Uh, uh how will that, how will that happen? They said, well, you don't need to know that now, but when the time is right, you'll know. And <laughs> which over time I heard that was the word, the line that I heard from them probably more than any other you know that was repeated many many times when i asked more questions than they wanted to answer but uh, uh but in any and what happened on monday was that i i uh, by by a fluke that, that came to be on monday afternoon i had a blind date arranged for me monday night and uh and, and and fell head over heels in love with the girl that i had a blind date with and uh 
And that, that ended the whole crisis. That ended everything. It wasn't a problem anymore. That's, yeah, right. I mean, that's it was just... wonderful. Oh, wow. And so, and one of the interesting things was the next morning uh, at breakfast, my friend, uh, who in my story I named, uh, called him Truck. He was, a, he was a, as I say, he was a football, a, 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 the, he was the fullback on the football team. He's a real, uh, a real jock type. Um, and, uh, and so he says, Hey, uh, Tom, he says, were you having some kind of weird dream last night? And I said, and I, and I, when I had come back from this experience, I had gone from a state of, of absolute despair to a, a state of ecstasy when I got, I, and when I got back, I came back into the, into the body, it was around five minutes to four. I've been out for about twenty-five minutes, and and there was a sense of the the same sense of like you have in a falling dream, except that in this case, I knew where I was falling. I was falling back into my body, mm-hmm. and and when I got back in, there was a sense of great compression and confinement in ways mm-hmm. that I'd not been accustomed to being aware of before. Um, but I just, I had this state of ecstasy that, that, that came with me as a result of this. And I knew that it was something I could not share um, with anyone. And, and, and uh, you know, my father, my mother was, was mentally ill. My father was a psychiatrist. And so <laughs> there was no framework within which either one of them could understand this except as some sort of psychotic break from their perspective. <laughs> And I, I did not interpret it that way at all. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, anyway, the following morning and I went off hey, to sleep and slept. Quick, besides intellectual, like besides mentally having the memory and all that and feeling ecstasy, what was the predominant feeling or was there one? while you were out there, was there a predominant um, feeling that you can even equate to the feelings we experience here? Well, I would say the, the, the feeling was one of being nurtured in love. Mm. Um, the, the thought, and it's, you know, being, being a Gemini, and being yeah. mostly in my head, it's hard to even say what feelings are. But um, the uh, but the feeling was that was definitely the feeling. That, that this this uh, uh, my friend uh, PMA Fatwater, who is the most uh, prodigious writer on near death experiences in the world, um, uh, talks about. This is the kind of experience many people have in NDEs, and mm-hmm. and they speak of it as the loving dark zone or whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, it was completely supportive, completely nurturing, and this and the sense of love even before these beings showed up. But when they showed up, these I say these beings, these intelligences, whatever they were, um, um, when they showed up then there was just it was as if you were being as if you were being held you know and and mm-hmm. and, and uh uh it was a it was an absolutely wonderful wonderful feeling and yeah. uh um and 
and these the their presence remains with me to this day it's just at a, a greater level of awareness than i had before and for many many years it was an active an active uh, dialogue going on between us not it's not so much not so active today as it used to be although sometimes it's still engaged and uh, um, but in that following morning my friend was asking did you have some sort of a weird dream and i said well I, and i'd already resolved i was not going to be able to share this with anyone at all mm -hmm. and uh this is again it's, it's, it was 61 years ago this month mm -hmm. and that it happened and uh and so uh i said no and he said well uh you were talking in your sleep and i said well you know i, I talk in my sleep all the time no big deal he said well this was different. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, uh, he says, you woke me up talking to sleep around three, around three 30. And he says, uh, uh, and I sat and listened to you for the next 25 minutes talking in your sleep. And, and it was this, you were having a, as if, as if I were listening to one end of a telephone conversation, you were talking on one end, somebody else was talking on the other end. You would wait, and then you'd say something, then they'd say something. I, I couldn't hear them. I could only hear you. I said, well, okay, so what? He says, well, here was the, the interesting or unusual part. He says, you were not speaking English. And he says, uh, you were speaking a language that I've never heard anything like before. He says, I can... I'm familiar with, I took three years of Latin. I've taken, I've taken German. I've taken a little bit of French. I've traveled all over Europe. I know what the languages in Europe sound like. This didn't sound like any language I've ever heard in my life. Nothing at all. But you were just as fluent in this language as you are in English this morning. And, uh, and so he says, uh, I mean, what was going on last night? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, so I, I was thinking, I tried to come up with something that would, uh, uh, that would, uh, got the conversation down and be honest at the same time. And so I said, well, truck, I went beyond death last night and I came back. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Oh my God, Coach. He says, I don't want to hear any more. Please, that's the end of it. I don't want to hear any more. Oh. But, it, but from my standpoint, that's exactly what it happened. I think it was, it's, yeah, it sounds very much like the experience people yeah, have. I mean, because what I, what I was treated to was not, was, was information about the, about the fact that life is continuous. It never ends. Mm -hmm. And, and that the physical, birth and death of individual bodies is just are just tiny little moments in a, in the eternal life of the soul and the consciousness that animates those bodies and that uh and that that part of us is is, is eternal it's it's forever mm -hmm. and uh uh and so uh that was what i meant by my response to him even though it was not something that that uh, really... wanted to go into further. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, just forever and forever. Just never. I, I don't know. 
the grasp of it never ever we never die I well forever is for yeah it, these are hard concepts eternal well, very hard is, yeah eternal is is outside of time mm -hmm. whereas you know we when we talk about ever and forever and all that that's sort of semi half, wow. halfway one halfway not you know <laughs> but, okay so we're we've got about five more minutes before we wrap up the show thank you for sharing all that with us tonight sure um i would love to have you come back and go through some of your readings sometimes of um the things you i'd be willing to do that that would be really wonderful um, I, I have a question. Yeah, I was going to ask you. May, I, may I take a quick break? I, I need to take a, a two-minute break, if that's all right. You all can. Uh, okay. Okay. That's uh, fine. Go my ahead. biology has limitations. Uh, you, yes. Sorry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Sandy. Yeah, so I know you've had multiple conversations with with Tom uh, about his life and, and his experiences. And I, I know he has children. I wonder what his children feel about him and his experiences and what he's gone through in life. Has he ever mentioned that to you? Yeah. Um, I think you, you ought to chat with him about it. I think it's, it's different. And, um, I think I think it'd be great to have Tom back and um, have him read. He, he's written um, about his experiences in a in a beautiful way that wouldn't take long to read, but it would cover everything and it show and it just it explains a lot about um, the different relationships and soul relationships between him and his children. And they all show, they're all different um, today. There's some really interesting stuff in regards to his children though. Oh, the, so I would be so interested in that. Yeah. I'm yeah. really interested in that. I'd like to know, you know, um, you know, because it's very interesting that again, uh, we feel one way about, our life and then our children could totally be on a different wavelength or, yeah. you know, they don't understand exactly why we choose to walk down this path. Mm -hmm. You know, so I would be curious about how he, you know, how he dealt with that. I don't think he's gotten um, any massive resistance. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I, I have. You know. Oh, there he is. Hi, Tom. Hey, we only have a few that. minutes left, and Sandy has a quick question for you. So, so I was asking Tammy since you were, took a biological break. Right. Um, I was asking her what your kids, because you have children, right? Yes. So, what were your children's? thoughts of you in your in your walk of path what how did they accept you for what you've experienced this lifetime and 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 what you know is true for you you mean had they experienced me being such a weird character is that what you yes basically yes asking yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
I think they have done a good job of accepting my eccentricities. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, they have, uh, uh, they have, uh, each of them, I have three children, each of them has uh, the two daughters and one son, and, and they have not had the degree of anomalous experiences that I've had, but, uh, but they've, but they have had enough or, or exposed, been exposed to me enough to have a degree of appreciation for the, uh, for the validity of these kinds of experiences. And at least as they relate to me and, and uh, even if they may not be as open to them themselves as I am uh, in my own case. Uh, mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, so that I think they've accepted them perfectly well. All of their lives, they've accepted them perfectly well. Uh, yeah, I would That's say so. That's great. Yeah, that I mean, really it was. Great. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when I was when my older children, I've got, I've got uh, uh, a, a daughter and a son by my first wife, and a and a daughter by my second wife, and uh, um, and the older children were not as exposed uh to this when they were young uh, as my as my uh, my second daughter but uh, uh but nevertheless they were they've always been completely open to my perspective mm -hmm. and, That's beautiful. Uh, so very very beautiful i'm glad to hear that yeah i mean and in, in terms of my uh in terms of my uh, uh, guides, uh, you know, they were, they played an active role for me in terms of uh, advice about health, advice about, uh, um, uh, they introduced me to my first wife. Um, and uh, Don't tell everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just saying that it, it's been a, it, it was quite a, Quite a, some people, some people who are aware of these kinds of interactions, look at it and say, "Gee, that you know, you were real, you were really uh, sort of manipulated and blah blah blah." I don't look at it that way at all. I look at their interactions with me as something that that uh, we have sort of co-created, mm -hmm. and that that's because of the because of my sense of my own sense of of free will choice in the whole process which has been one of the most important aspects of guidance that I've always get, been given. That is that everything we do is, is based on that. Mm -hmm. No matter how much, no matter how unaware of it we may be. That's awesome. Well, we have run over in time again, as usual. <laughs> That's just our little concept here. We love to run over the time. Um, <laughs> I want to thank everybody that joined us this evening and I want to thank Tom for, you know, taking time out of your, uh, you know, holiday weekend to uh, spend it week. here with us. It's such an honor to have you again. Well, and I'm glad to be here. Uh, oh, so thankful. And, you know, and Tammy, you are just amazing. You, you know, you're getting just this vibrant energy going every week. And thank you so much for being on camera. 
Thank you so much for being behind the scenes doing what you're doing down there in Florida. <laughs> hey, uh, now, Sandy, is this, are you ever going to come out from behind that raven or, or are you just going to be the raven for, forever on there? I'm the raven forever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I made a promise to myself a long time ago that, you know, I don't mind doing uh, radio or anything like that, a uh, podcast. Um, I believe, though, uh, that I just didn't want my face all over the Internet. And my face is not on the Internet anywhere. So good luck trying to find it. <laughs> well, I'm not even on Facebook. So, uh, you know. I'm, I'm but you're really... on the Internet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm happy we're all here co-creating together. Yeah, lovely Saturday evening. Tom, thank you so so much um, for joining in. Oh yes, I want to have you back. I really want to have you back to go over um, the more um, of your story and possibly even just do something with you reading some of it. I, I would think it would be okay. enjoyable to hear you actually read some of it too. So well, I hope you know will- uh, as as I think both of you know, I think I might have mentioned it a couple whenever the last time I was on. My my brother passed away recently and the, mm-hmm. and the there were some uh, things that came up for me in the framework of that experience. And I was very he and I were very, very close. Mm-hmm. And and uh uh, and there's some things that came up for me that I think would be potentially worthwhile to share um, in terms of the post uh, post mortem uh, communications on the one mm-hmm. hand, but also um, in in the context of the some of the the, the uh, framework in which some of the grieving occurred, and uh, I'd, I'd be happy to share that. I think it might be useful people to uh and mm-hmm. to sometimes in a way to reframe some of the grieving they go through when they lose a loved one because I, I don't think the experiences i had with with losing him were really any different than people have all the time when they lose a a sibling or a spouse or mm-hmm. parent Wow. Speaking of death, next week's guest is going to be Sandra Dawn, and she communicates to spirit on the other side that has crossed over. So we're looking forward to having her on here, and we will have Tom back on here because uh, he's a pleasure. I just love his sense of humor and, and his, you know, his, he's got a pair. That's all I got to say. <laughs> so. So with that, we're going to end the show tonight. I want to thank everybody for joining us here again for Raising Vibration and uh, Journey into Consciousness. I am your host, Reverend Raven. Good night, everybody. You guys go ahead and say good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.